0: Welcome to the Three Strands Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us. It is our hope and prayer that you will experience God's blessing in your life through our ministry. At Three Strands Church, our goal is to create a culture of redemption where people are free to experience the truth and grace of Jesus Christ. I thought it was pretty cool, uh, especially when you have a bunch of little kids here how it's amazing when that sidekick screen comes on and that superhero music comes on, they just kind of automatically, as soon as they see that screen, take off and rush out the door. You know, when we have a lot of people here, just like kids will run you over trying to get through the door to the sidekick's class, as soon as that screen pops up, right, and that superhero music comes on. Um, we don't have to tell them. A lot of times people announce sidekicks are dismissed, but a lot of times as soon as that comes up, they're gone, right? It's kind of like they're conditioned, Or maybe for you, you took a psychology class back in high school or college and uh, you probably remember a guy by the name of Ivan Pavlov. Anybody remember him? Okay. I sent Opie the picture of him yesterday. And he goes, who's this old guy that you sent me this picture of? So, his name's Pavlov, who's famous for his experiment related to classical conditioning. And what he did was he rang a bell each time before he fed his dog. Remember that? And uh, to make an association between the sound of the bell... And dinner and food. And so when he rang the bell and there was no food, the dog still began to salivate. Okay, you know the the deal, right? It's like when Heather says, Hey, dinner's ready, you know, over and over. And then one day she didn't make dinner and said, Hey, dinner's I just start salivating everywhere, okay? (coughs) Just it's not true, but now listen, some of us have a bell too. Okay, it may be in the form of a song. It may be in the form of a vibration uh, or some other sound effect, but when we hear it, we know that we have received a text on our phone, right? And you kind of saw from the videos this morning kind of where we're going with this, but what's so strange about it is no matter who we're meeting with, we could be meeting with a, a doctor, the governor, our boss, whoever, when our phone lets us know we have a text, what do we do? Come on, what do you do? That's right. You kind of, you know, excuse me, I have to divert my attention away from you who is talking to me to someone. I'm not even sure who it is because everybody else who could possibly be texting me right now is more important than you. Right? Now, we would never say that, but our actions kind of say that. Or we'll say, I'm sorry, excuse me just a moment. And we'll turn around as if we're turning our phone off or dismissing, but actually, what are we doing? Checking that sucker, right? I do it too, right? We're checking it. We are just like Pavlov's dog, all right? We are conditioned. And when we act more, when that, when that vibration or that alert goes off, we act more like it's a tornado drill sound than a text message sound, if you're like me. I'm just conditioned. That's the way my brain, I'm just trained. Oh, excuse me, right? And check it. So, now listen. A long time ago, and some of you may remember this, but don't raise your hand because it's going to prove that you're old like me. I forget, it. let's raise our hand. How many of you, when you were kids, uh, you would be at the dinner table with an old rotary phone in the house? How many of you remember the old rotary phone? We have a picture of that? How many of you had one of those? You used it or had it in your house? Yeah, okay, about half of us. I'm old, I know. But you'd have that, and that old rotary phone would ring, and your mom or dad, your mother or father, would say, just let it ring. They'll call back, when? Later, they'll call back later. And we didn't even know who it was. And for some reason, we really didn't even care. And then another generation went by, and after the phone would ring, we started saying something different. Uh, We started saying, just let it ring. The blank will get it. The answering machine. Look at that sucker. When I was in college, I had an answering machine with that tape in it. I remember using that thing. That's how old I am, okay? now for younger people, like, what is that? That was an answering machine. That's old voicemail right there, okay? But uh, the answering machine would get it. And we could all take a deep breath. It's probably not an emergency. The people in the room are more important to me than whoever that is. But now that we have a a text message alert or vibration, we just can't stand to stop what we're doing and read it. And listen, I understand. I understand why that is. Because a text message is from somebody you know. It's uh, very current. It's very relevant and it's immediate. You don't have to get caught up uh, or trapped up in an hour-long phone conversation with somebody or a telemarketer or whatever. You know, the other thing about text messages that's kind of funny is uh, we always read our text, don't we? We never ask, did you read my text? What we say is, did you what? Did you get my text, right? Not did you read it, but did you get my text? Um, we know that if you got it, if you received it, that of course you read it. Now here's something that you've never heard. Hey, I got your text, but I didn't read it because, well, to be honest, I don't like to read. Anybody ever said that to you? I got your text, and read it, because I just don't like to read. I've never, ever heard anybody say that. And I'm around high schoolers every day, okay? Nobody says that. Well, listen. How many times have we heard a similar excuse used as it relates to a text message that all of us, if you live in America anyway, have been exposed to and most of us grew up with? Because literally, listen, we have received a text message from God. And the reason that many of us don't read it is we say things like, Well, I, just, I don't really like to read. We've received a text message from God that had had we read it, had we applied it to our lives, listen, most of our lives would be different, wouldn't it? Our marriages would look different. Our finances would look different. We might have raised our kids differently. Uh, We we would have certainly dated different back in those days. Uh, We we would have handled our morals and our ethics different. We might have responded to our mother or father-in-law's Different. You'd be much happier. Some of you, okay? Just kidding. Sorry. I'm not talking about my mother-in-law. She's absolutely wonderful. Okay. But instead, for whatever reason, we've ignored the most important text message in the world that's available to all of us. And you know what? The similarities between God's text messages and the others we receive—I mean, they go on and on. I mean, the Bible is personal. It's from someone who knows us, and it's extraordinarily current because it touches every single area of our lives. It's extremely relevant because it's full of timeless information and principles and truths. And you know what, on on the flip side, those of us who grew up and exposed to God's text message and took it seriously, we would say things like, you know what, my life is better And I cannot imagine having gone through my teenage years or my twenties or my thirties or my first years of marriage without the input of all of this information that we know of as the Holy Bible. And listen, I'm one of those blessed people whose mom gave me a Bible early on and encouraged me to read it. And I actually brought it with me today. Um, This was, this is the children's living Bible here. She got me. Uh, I was, how did I say? I was six years old. This was, to me, from mommy, okay? Christmas of 1981. I was six. I asked Tuesday before church how old she was then. She said, I wasn't born for a decade later, so I know I'm old, okay? I'm one of the oldest people in this church. That's why I'm an elder, I guess. But yeah, and on the back, you know, when I lived in a suburb of Los Angeles at the time when I was six years old. And I thought, like, gangs and graffiti, especially graffiti, were cool. It was usually gang members who did all that crap. But I thought that drawing that they'd put on the sides of bridges and all that was cool. And so, you know, see that opiate? I did a little graffiti in my six, year, six years old in the Bible. Kenny loves Jesus, it says, okay? When I was six, I put that in there. But um, crazy. Here's where, here's where we're going today in case you haven't figured it out. I'm going to do everything I can today to convince you to read your Bible. And if you've been coming here very long, you know that this is important stuff that can dramatically impact your life. And I know many of you have developed a thirst for God's Word. But today I want to challenge those of you who haven't. I want to encourage those of you who have and challenge those of you who haven't. Okay? Because it will impact your life. And listen, I know. I know because I used to be the same way. That the tendency is for us to just come to church and go, well, Pastor David or or Kenny, they will read it to me. I mean, I don't even need my Bible because they put the verses up on the screen. And listen, since 2012 when we began this church, uh, David and Stephanie have done the bulk of the teaching. And we have tried our very best to make it interesting even though God will speak without us doing that. His word will speak for itself. We've shared the stories that are so dramatical and even tried to leave you hanging at times until the next week so you would go home and read it for yourself. Dave, uh, during the last part of that series or at the end of each week, he would say, here's where we're going next week. If you want to study in Judges, whatever, right? Just trying to leave you hanging and get you to go read what's coming up for yourself. And we've done our best to apply what you hear on Sunday to your work day on Monday. So let me strongly encourage you. Let's read and study our Bibles on days other than Sundays. And if you don't have one, you let us know and we'll get you one. Uh, We have one back there at the Three Source Center. I was noticing before church. If you have a smartphone, just download the Bible app. And listen, I don't mean for this in any way to be offensive. So if you're feeling that way, please don't take it that way. That's not my intent. I want this to be motivating this morning. My goal is to get those of you who don't read your Bibles very often to begin. Now listen, why? Why is this important? Why are we spending a Sunday morning even talking about this? Well, if you grew up either Catholic or Protestant, your worldview has been extremely impacted by the Bible. The things that make us feel guilty or okay with God... Um, how we view right and wrong. Many things in our everyday lives have been impacted by what we think is supposedly taught in the Scriptures. I mean, every single day we make decisions based on what's right or wrong, and if pressed to tell what made us think that was right or wrong, we will retreat to something that's said, or something at least we think that's said in the Scriptures, right? And so we owe it to ourselves to at least read it. And believe me, once you do, you're going to be shocked by what's not in there, all right? You're going to open it up and think, you know what? I always grew up believing such and such, and and where's that at in the Bible? I'm not seeing that anywhere in there. That's not even in there, you know? Where's the part about where God helps those who help themselves? I was taught that my whole life. Where's it at? I'm reading. I don't see it in there. I can't find it anywhere, and you know what? The flip side of that is true as well. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that's in there that you didn't know was in there. I mean, there are stories in the scriptures that, that are difficult, I'm just being honest, difficult to even read in mixed company. You know, uh, there's stuff in there that if not for God saving my soul and giving me insight, I wouldn't even believe it. You know, it's God's love letter to us. It is truly the holy, inspired word of God. Or as I like to say, God moved the men and the men moved the pen. So if you're going to get up early on Sunday morning, if you're going to get dressed and come to church and sit sit in a seat and sing the songs and put your kid in the sidekick's class, don't you owe it to yourself to read it throughout the week. I mean, it's not enough just to listen to somebody talk about it. And listen, in this country, we have such an incredible, easy access to this text message from God. I mean, there are all kinds of translations. We can get it online, on our phones. I mean, we truly are spoiled, aren't we? I mean, they have to smuggle these things into some countries. In some places in the world, the Bible is illegal. In some parts of the world, it's still considered a very dangerous, divisive piece of literature because it's alive and it's not ever going to change. You know, school systems fight over whether you can have Bible classes or not. You know, it's that divisive. There are governments that are afraid their people are going to start reading it. And you and I, we have the opportunity to read it every single day. Well, I kind of get what you're saying. But listen, I tried it once and gosh, it was so hard. You ever heard anybody say that? Just hard. Well, then, okay, don't do anything hard in your life, right? Just don't do anything. Don't try anything hard. Seriously, come on. That's not hard. That's not hard. Let me tell you what's hard. Hard is making really stupid decisions in your 20s that follow you and haunt you into your 30s and 40s. Now that's hard. Hard is making really bad moral and value judgments that haunt you into the next chapter of your life. Hard is making a really poor choice as to who you marry or how you conduct yourself in that marriage. That's hard. Hard. Hard is raising your kids in a way that takes them to a place that you don't want them to be. And then all of a sudden they're they're 17 years old and you're thinking, man, if we could just rewind and get a do-over and just try this thing again. That's hard. All right? Spending 5, 10, or 15 minutes a day working your way through some books that admittingly are not the easiest literature to read, I get that. But that's not really all that difficult, is it? Some people say, well... I don't read it because I'm not really sure I believe it all, you know? I mean, there's this part about that, and and I'm just, I'm not really sure I believe it. Hey, listen, we don't read anything because we believe it, right? I mean, the reason I read the news online is not because I believe everything I'm going to read on there is true. I mean, go home and look at the magazines in your house. Do you subscribe to any of them because before you ever open them up, I believe everything in here is true? I mean, she did this, and he didn't do that, and you were this, and they're that. No way. The test for what we read has never been, it has to be absolutely true. So let's not use that excuse for not reading our Bible. But I hear that all the time. Well, today, I want to take you to a passage that explains how God's text message can become very real in your life. And it's in Psalm 119, what Samantha read earlier before church, or at the beginning before the song. Um, And this passage is written by David, who probably only had the first seven books of the Bible. So he had Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and then the last book that we spent some time studying that Dave led us through the last series, Judges. And those seven books were written, listen, hundreds of years before David was even born. And the reason that's important is because sometimes when people read the Bible, they think, This book is so old. I mean, this book is about stuff that happened 2,000 years ago. Well, here's what David says about literature written hundreds of years before he came along. Those seven books. And to be honest, they aren't the most interesting seven books in the Bible. Okay? Look what he says in Psalm 119, starting in verse 97. David says, Oh, God, how I love your law. He's saying, I love this text message from God. What do you you mean you love it, David? What are you talking about? Well, he goes on to explain. He says, I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Now listen, this is the king we're talking about. So it's not like he didn't have anything else to do. Okay? But he says throughout his day, portions of this law come to mind and and he thinks about them. And you know what? Maybe you and I should ask ourselves, what do we think about all day long? What are we thinking about? Because that will impact the decisions that we make throughout the day. Verse 98. He says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Because in the scriptures we learn how God views the world. And and what he values the most. and, And what doesn't work, you know. And David's saying that he saturated his mind with God's law. And he's discovered how things work. He says, your commands make me wiser than my enemies. For they are ever with me. That they come to mind, and when I'm making decisions during the day, they come to my mind, he says. Verse 99. He says, I have more insight than all of my teachers. Now, an insight is the ability to relate unrelated things in such a way that you see things that other people don't. Everyone else sees the dots, but you see the picture. You're able to read between the lines. And David's saying that because he saturated his mind in God's word, he has more insight than people who are further along in life than he is. Well, why? He says, for I meditate on your statutes. Verse 100. He says, I have more understanding than the elders, which means he's wise beyond his years. People say, how could you know that, David? Well, I mean, you're young, you're young. How could you know all that? well I filled my mind with the thoughts of God he says and here's a whole other ball game he says for I obey your precepts listen in the scriptures we're taught that oftentimes obedience to God brings insight but we think you know what God if you will just explain it to me explain the why you know the reasoning behind it then I'll do it don't we do that so often you know, God, If you, I, I feel like I know what you want me to say. I feel like you know where you want me to go. But I just need to give me the reasoning, like the why behind it. And I'll know. Over and over again in the scriptures, we're taught that there are times in our lives. Please hear me where we just say, God, because you said it, I'm going to do it. And that's it. And when we obey, then is when we understand. The best way to understand why God is asking you to do something is just to do it. And then on the other side of obedience, it will be crystal clear. But a lot of times, God's not going to show you that until you obey. David's saying that obedience, that's what brings insight. Verse 101. He says, I've kept my feet from every evil or destructive path so that I might obey your word. And I've not departed from your laws. And here's what I hope you'll take home from today, this part of this verse. He says, for you yourself have taught me, talking to God. For you yourself have taught me. David says, when I open God's law, I feel as if God were personally teaching me. I mean, listen, anybody who has spent much time in God's word on a regular basis will tell you that there are just simply times when we feel like God is speaking directly to us. Sometimes you come to church, you felt it right, and and the the pastor, the preacher guy might not even know who you are, but it's somehow you feel like God is speaking directly to you, right? It's a very common thing. Uh, Just this week, I was praying about what to teach today because we're beginning a new series next week, and... um, I shortened it by a week because one of the characters that I prepared to teach on was Gideon, but David just taught about Gideon a couple weeks ago. And after hearing him, there were some similarities. So I thought, you know what, I'm just gonna pass him up and I'll do something else this week. So I spent some time on Thursday evening just praying for clarification on what, what it would be that God would have me to teach this morning. And on Friday when I woke up and opened up my Bible app, I do that every morning, kind of read the verse of the day and then do a little devotion. I woke up my Bible, the first thing that popped up, Psalm 119, 114, right? The very chapter I was praying about teaching of. Now, you may call that coincidence, but I know it was God confirming what He wanted us to hear this morning. I mean, Psalm 119 is a big chapter. It's 176 verses, right? And not only was the verse out of that chapter, but right in the section I was praying about teaching about His Word being our source of hope, you know? I thought that was cool, but God does things like that all of the time, but, but I've also learned in my life, if I don't write stuff like that down, I kind of forget about it, you know, and so just a side note, journaling is a good spiritual discipline, if you can get in the habit of doing that, just to help remember how God answered a little prayers over the years, you know, and just remember the faithfulness of God, you know. You can go back years later and go, gosh, I forgot all about that. I don't remember going through that. But now I do. I remember how nervous I was and how scared I was and how I didn't think God was going to provide. And look what he did. You know, it's just weird, though. We don't write stuff down. It kind of, we don't remember it. But anyway, we spend so much of our time trying to get God to do something. But listen, what if he wants to say something? You ever thought about that? You see, our prayers are full of things like, God help me, and bless me, and stop this, and don't let that happen, and please provide, and if only, and why, and I need you to do this, and I need you to do that. Listen, what if God was more interested in saying something to us than doing something for us? And what if the primary method by which he has chosen to speak to his people is through his word, the Bible? What if the Bible really is a text message to those who really believe in God? David says that's how he sees it. God is the one who's taught him. Look at verse 103. He says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, and therefore... I hate every wrong path. He's saying that God's word has helped shape his values, his understanding of right or wrong, his worldview shaped his priorities. And then he closes with this very familiar passage in, in verse 105. He says, your word, it's a lamp to my feet, and it's a light for my path. My I mean, how could something that was written hundreds of years before be a lamp to your feet, David? I mean, David, you're talking as if God knows the circumstances of your life. And David says, that's it. He does. In other words, this is very personal. This isn't big theology or here's what the seminary guy can only figure out or the pastor. Listen, David was just a simple man. He was just a shepherd, you know? But hey, when others, others see a shepherd boy, God may see a king, and he did. But David just, he said he just meditates on these seven books of the law, and it's as if God is speaking to him, directly to him. Now, please hear my heart. I want that so bad for us. I want that so bad for you. I want that so bad for your kids. Tell your kids to go home and memorize the speech that David gave right before he cut off Goliath's head, all right? And they'll be like, cool, I didn't even know there was a speech. And you might have to give them a little money. That's how you bribe kids, right? You offer them a little cash and they'll do whatever you want. But, and when they ask you why you want them to memorize that speech, you just say, listen, because when you face great temptation in your life, I just want you to speak that speech to whatever it is that is tempting you. And you know what? As they grow older, throughout life, when they are tempted, they'll think, you know what? I'm like David. And that temptation is like Goliath. But what if God is with me like he was with David? And here's what he said in First Samuel 17. David said, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I came at you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel who you defied. And this day, let me tell you what's going to happen. Parents, listen. I know you want that for your children, but it is only going to be a sincere thing when it begins with you. That's it. It's only going to be real if it begins with you. So would you read and study your Bible? I mean, really, the only difference is one is with a pen and paper, maybe a highlighter and notebook. That's the difference between reading and studying, you know. In the front of my Bible that I have at home, I have written in the front cover, this book will keep me from sin, or sin will keep me from this book. And I found that to be so true in my life. I found it to be very true. Because you know what? Here's what tends to happen to me personally when I break the discipline of reading or studying my Bible. And saying, you know what, God? Listen, I'm not here for a sermon. I just need you to speak to me like you spoke to David. Here's what happens to probably all of us. The first thing is this. We get self-righteous, don't we? I mean, the, the, the Bible's brutally honest about me and my sin. And when I don't read it, I begin to compare myself with other people who have a little more sin in their life than I do, and I get proud. You know what God says about pride? He says he hates it. I tend to magnify the weaknesses of others and, and begin to overlook my own. And suddenly more and more of my problems are somebody else's fault. And I start to blame. Another thing that happens when I break the discipline of reading my Bible is uh, we start to worry, don't we? You know, not remembering that if God takes care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, that he will take care of me too. And then we tend to evaluate all that we see as if that's all there is. As if there's no eternity. And we don't realize there's more to this life than just living and dying. More than just trying to get through another day. So we get self-righteous. We start to worry. Also, when we start, stop reading the Bible, we tend to close our hands and our possessions, don't we? We stop giving. Our selfishness, listen, our selfishness or our selflessness is directly related to our time in the Bible. It really is. And the last thing we tend to do is we tend to hold on to anger longer than we should. We tend to hold on to anger longer than we should when we get too far away from the Bible. Apart from the truths of that book, I have a right to hold on to it because you owe me. But you know what? When I open up the Bible and God says, no, Kenny, it's actually you owe me. And go tell others what I did for you. You, you go do likewise, just as I taught you. Guys, here's what I know. I know that we have received a text message from our Heavenly Father. And we need to read it. It's not enough just to listen to the pastor once a week. It's not enough just to pray. I mean, prayer is about talking to God. And it's usually we're trying to get stuff from Him. But what if God doesn't want to do stuff? What if he's trying to say something to you? Prayer is about talking to God. The Bible is about God talking to us. Listen, you don't want to spend the next season of your life and miss him. I don't know where to begin. A good place to begin is the Gospel of John. Just turn in the table of contents to John. Open up there and just begin reading and say, God, would you? I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've tried before and failed. Would you just please somehow speak to me? and watch him answer that prayer. Please begin this week. And I found in my life that if I set a specific time and place each day, it will help you form a habit. If you need a Bible, again, just let us know and we'll get you one. God has sent you a text message. Don't spend another day without picking it up and reading it.